Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. What is up? Welcome back. It is the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast back once again. This is Matthew Betts, your host for the evening, aka the Fantasy PT on Twitter. Joined as always by Matt Okada at Matt Okada on Twitter. So original. Okada, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight? You know, when you were saying the Fantasy PT, it got me a little bit self-conscious because I'm not the Matt Okada on Twitter. There actually are a couple other Matt Okadas, including a somewhat famous Japanese version of WWE wrestler. Love it. And also like a basketball coach for Cal Poly or something like that. <laughs> I forget. But I don't I might be the most famous in the United States. I really don't know. I would say in you any are. Case, you're at least I'm not the you're well, you're the only one I know. So to me, you are the Matt Okada. All right. Anyway, that is good enough for me, but <laughs> we're back once again. We're continuing our divisional series and we just want to be honest with everyone. Everyone ha- mm. everyone has flaws. We all make mistakes. Some more than Including others. Including computers. Some more than others, named Matt Okada. Okay. Okada, would, okay. would you explain the situation that we're in right now? Listen, I'd just like to point out that Kate's mistake was worse than mine. So, Kate, calling you out. Just, just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, she had an excuse. Actually, there was a live yeah, bird true. in her house. There was a live bird. My excuse is that my computer decided to poison the original recording of this podcast, uh, which included kent which is why you don't hear kent's voice now because bets and i are re-recording the afc south after my computer murdered it in its sleep so if uh you know you're you're missing the sweet dulcy dulcet dul soldier that was a mix of dulcet and sultry i don't even know what just happened dulcy <laughs> <laughs> if you're missing kent's voice don't worry you can uh You'll get you'll we'll get him back on the north, which is coming slightly after the south. Yes, all that to say, we're back. The, the, no, that's not true. No, we're getting him. No, we're getting him on the NFC slightly after the AFC, which is this. Got it. Both in the south. Yes. Uh, we're off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Uh, yep. we're back once again. We're talking the AFC South, like Okada said. Um, we're continuing our divisional breakdown series. So if you missed any of those episodes, go back. We started on the East, AFC, NFC East. Then we went to the Okada. <laughs> uh, the North. The North, <laughs> which we released. And now we are on to the South. Uh, next week, we'll have Kent back on again. We're going to get over into the West. Um, and along the way, we might do a, a few top 10 consensus rankings between Okada and I for your draft to get you ready. It's it's officially draft season. Okada, how many drafts have you done so far? Oh, gosh. Counting rookie drafts? No, like redraft. Oh, redraft probably only one and a half with another one, a two to go, as well as half of the uh, Red Shirts Writers League draft, which is still ongoing. Yeah, that's been a good league so far. The, the league chat has been tons of fun. I'm, I'm super excited for our staff this year. And if you want to check out any of their content, which you should do, head on over to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. We've got literally articles every single day. Those guys are busting their butts, bringing you awesome content, and we cannot be happier to have them on staff. Um, 
But I don't know if you play in enough leagues. I think we should add one more to your your plate there, Okada. What do you think? Mm, Maybe... Well, I do have a couple other Dynasty and Keeper, but I'm, you know, all ears open to brilliant suggestions involving uh, very cool people, Bets. Can I interest you in a listener league? Oh, Ew. yes, indeed. Yes. This is the episode <laughs> that we are going to announce the winner's of the Listener League contest. You've been hearing us hype it up all off season. We got great entries, um, awesome, you know, awesome Patreon supporters, good reviews. So we made our decision. We're going to go ahead and announce all of that right now. But Okada, before we do, I want to do just do a quick wardrobe change. Oh, shoot. Yes. You guys cannot see, but there is a ring the size of an actual football on Betts' finger. Now it's not on his finger, which pretty much is where it belongs. It actually belongs on Kent's I'm finger. Putting it back we'll in, I'm putting it back in the case. Okay. It is beautiful. There are at least 80 diamonds. Uh, they are clearly real diamonds. And it will go to the winner of the Listener League, which is going to be one of the names that Betts is about to announce. Yes. Real- oh, well, no, that's not true. Let's be honest. Those are going to be all the guys from like 10th through 3rd, and then we're going to be 1st and 2nd. That's the plan. But, you know. Yeah. You, can, you guys can try. That's the plan. But without further ado, this is the list of names that have made it into the Listener League. First, we have Mitchell Amstultz, a Patreon supporter. Then we have at Wilson27 on Twitter. We've got Russ Clark. Whose first initial is R, so I think it might be Russell Wilson. It could be Russell Wilson, the Russell Wilson. Burner account. We've got Russ Clark, also a Patreon supporter. Good friend of the show, Michael Stepney, at mstepney71. Hmm... The first Patreon supporter we ever had, Kevin Galusha. Oh. Welcome to the league. Wow. Jordan Noobs on Twitter. Pete Barini, another Patreon supporter. And two guys with very fun Twitter handles, at Vegan Water Polo, which I'm not sure how that's different than regular water polo. Maybe we can chat in league chat about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at General Busy. Uh, that is the list of 10 names that is going to be playing alongside. Oh, is that nine names? Nine. Uh, counting is hard, so I'm going to leave it up to you. One, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine. Nine names, plus Okada, myself, and Kent to play in the 12-team league that we have for the Listener League contest. We're playing for some hardware. Uh, I cannot be more excited to have everyone in this league. Look for information from us on Twitter, and obviously you'll hear this podcast, so you'll know you're in. We're going to host the, the league on Sleeper this year, so if you're listening and you're in the league, download the app. And we're playing for some sweet rings. Mm. All right. Without further ado, Okada, let's finally get into some fantasy football content here. Um, we've got a little bit of news to talk about this week. I got great news, guys. This piece of news may or may not have sent your heart rate from resting oh. at 80 to 180 oh in the blink of a minute. Joshua Caleb Gordon, welcome back to the NFL. First of all, is 80 uh, resting heart rate good bets? It's about average. It's not ideal. Okay. It's a little high. I mean, I am uh, in tip-top athletic condition, so I thought like that felt a little high. Psych, I don't know the last time (laughs) that I ran. Um, (laughs) But 
this did get my heart rate going. Oh my gosh, I am excited for Josh Gordon to be back. Mostly from a non-fantasy perspective, to be honest, just because I'm a huge fan of him and the Patriots, obviously, and this is a big deal for them. But for fantasy, it is impactful. It is very impactful. In fact, Betts and I had to do a reshuffle on our AFC East projections. It's really too bad that this uh, that episode released well before this news came out because it changes a lot. Um, it... It raises the stock for Tom Brady. For me, from a like low-end QB2, really don't want him. Barely even streamable, potentially, with the way that offense was going to be. To now he's got, suddenly, one of the stronger like cores of weapons if things pan out well, which will include Josh Gordon staying on the field. Uh, so that's, you know, a high bar. But that, it also is going to affect Julian Edelman a little bit, I think, just from a target count perspective. It'll certainly affect Nikhil Harry, uh, and in deeper leagues, whatever other guys may have gotten receptions there, like Philip Dorsett. But, of course, most of all, it affects Josh Gordon, because he is now 100% draftable. Uh, the real question, of course, bets is where? Where is he draftable? What are you looking for from him? Where are you willing to invest? Yeah, before the news broke, he was going in the 12th round of 12-team drafts. Um, at that price, obviously, worth the risk for sure. Where am I willing to go in? Probably round 8, I think, is about right for him. I don't think I'll go higher because there's such risk baked in. I mean, obviously, he has to stay on the field, which he has yet to show us he can do. But the upside is massive. We have to hand it to him. Um, I think round eight is a, a place that I'm comfortable taking the risk and understanding that I probably already have a solidified starting lineup at that point, and he's more of a flex slash bench player anyway. At that point, the upside is massive. Now, can I assume that that is baking a lot of risk or I guess you could say fear of him not playing the whole season into his price it's for a, you? It's 100% that because, okay. as you said, the depth chart is not scary. Aside from Julian Edelman and James White, there's question marks everywhere in the passing game. So he's at worst third option for Tom Brady. Yeah, I'll take a shot there in the eighth round. Yeah, I've, I've currently got him as my wide receiver 30, and there's probably a little bit of you know heartbeat excitement that has him that high for me. He may drop down a little bit, uh, but he's going for me around guys who are by ADP going in the seventh late sixth early seventh round even I don't know if I'm willing to jump in that quite that far yet I might have to run into him in a real draft to see maybe in the list the uh, writers league maybe in the listeners league also we'll see but uh but yeah if he listen for as long as he's on the field bets he's going to be very valuable he was very good last year and he was extremely good whenever Gronk missed time and he was on the field. And obviously Gronk will miss a lot of time this year considering he is retired. So Josh Gordon's, uh, he's going to be interesting. He's going to be exciting. Yeah, credit to Rich uh, Rebar on Twitter. Last year in games without Gronk, there were three games. This is the stat line for Josh Gordon. Seven targets, four receptions, 100 yards. Nine targets, five receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Twelve Ooh. targets, four receptions, 81 yards. The thing that sticks out to me is volume. When he didn't play last year, that's Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Josh Gordon got the volume. So when he's out there, he'll be productive. It's just a matter of if he stays on the field. That's really the biggest question mark for Josh Gordon. Let's go ahead and move on to another wide receiver who we can't stop talking about. It's Antonio Brown. Oh. More news coming out. It's all over the place. And this time it's not even his feet. It's more about the helmet. He filed another grievance against the NFL 
after his original grievance got shot down yesterday. Um, we're recording this on Monday, August 19th. Yesterday, Mike Mayock came out talking to reporters, audibly frustrated, saying basically, listen, Antonio, either show up or don't because it's go time. And mm. now there's reports in the morning of Monday, August 19th, that Antonio Brown was not at practice. And then later in the day, he was at practice. So, uh, Okada, what do we do with Antonio Brown in fantasy football drafts? Because it's crunch time. We're drafting this week. We're drafting next week. You have to make a decision when you're on the clock. What are you doing? Uh, first of all, I really want to know what Mike Mayock plans on doing because it's not like he can bench or trade or cut Antonio Brown. I mean, so I think it's kind of just up to AB and the Raiders have to live with whatever he does. However, we do not live with whatever he does because we just don't have to draft him. And chances are I'm not going to, uh, depending on where he ends up in drafts. Right now he's going at the wide receiver 9-2-11. That could continue to drop, but at the same time, we've been suffering through bad news about Antonio Brown for weeks now. Uh and so, you know, this might be where he hangs or where he hovers. And I'm not willing to go f- go in on him there. The risk is just too high. I already was a little bit down on Antonio Brown for the season as a whole, um, moving from the Steelers to the Raiders. And this complete lack of practice, uh, not to mention just the overall fear that he's instilling in me and I think the Raiders of... Is he going to not play during the season if he doesn't have his helmet? Is he going to up and retire all of a sudden, which he seems like he's kind of threatened he would do? I don't think that's going to happen. It seems very unlikely. But at the same time, he's... I mean, who get, who who's feels more risky to you right now? Todd Gurley or Antonio Brown? Oh, it's Antonio Brown without question. Which is insane because all we've heard all offseason is Todd Gurley's most risky pick on the planet. And at this point... The only guys I'm more afraid about than Antonio Brown are Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm not even sure I'm that scared about Zeke. So, AB is a huge question mark. We really don't know what he's doing. I've talked on the pod before about the fact that uh, some guys in the industry that I've talked to think he's almost using this helmet thing to cover up the fact that his feet are really bad, and he feels like actually scared about how his performance will be affected by his feet. And he's just trying to stay away from the game as long as possible by using all these excuses. It's a mess, bets, And I'm not going to draft him where he's going. If he falls into the late third, early fourth, maybe that's where I start to look at him. But the biggest issue really is that he's not getting time to gel with Derek Carr. And the more he misses that time to gel with Derek Carr, the less they're going to look. Uh, the less good they're going to look once the season rolls around. Yeah, I, I 100% echo that thought process in saying like it's not even about the feet at this point. It's about a brand new system, a brand new quarterback that's not as good as Big Ben. It's There's red flags all over the place with this situation. If I'm drafting tomorrow in a very important league, for all intents and purposes, like you said, if he falls to a like a spot where you have to take him, do it. But for me, for all intents and purposes, like he's kind of off my draft board, really. I'm, I'm passing if I can. Um, and until we see otherwise from Antonio Brown and the Raiders, I'm not going to change my thought process there. Antonio Brown or Robert Woods? Oh, Robert Woods. Easy. Antonio Brown or Mike Williams? Ooh, you're playing with my heart on this one. You know how much <laughs> I love Mike Williams. I would still take AB in that situation. 
A B or Tyler Boyd? Last one. Uh A B. I think I might go Tyler Boyd, but that's that's about the, the turning point right there. Yeah, that was close. that was a tough decision for sure. All right, Okada, let's get over into some injury news. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. All right, we've got several quick hitters here, Bet. So I will, I'll just list them off, and then you hit us with what matters on each one. We got a DK Metcalf knee surgery, although it sounds like it's not too big of a deal. We've got a Keenan Allen ankle, a Kenyon Drake foot spotted in a walking boot, Odell Beckham with a hip. Is this a hip pointer? Is that true? There, or is that something else? There were conflicting reports about it. That was the initial report, and then another okay. reporter came out saying, that's actually not what it is. It's more of a bruise. Regardless, okay. we'll we'll talk about it real quick right now since we brought it up. I'm sure. not concerned about Odell Beckham. He'll be fine for week one. Okay. Also, pointing with your hip really doesn't seem very effective. <laughs> There's not like a thing sticking out, so I don't really know what you would do. Just look like you're shaking your butt at the thing you're trying to point at. <laughs> So useless. Uh, also, Amari Cooper with a foot issue as well. So hit us with the the hot stuff on these guys, bets. Yeah, let's start with DK Metcalf because that really is, I think, not concerning, but Pete Carroll coming out today saying that he's going to be ready for week one is complete baloney. There is no way <laughs> DK Metcalf is ready week one. The guy is coming off of a knee surgery. Yes, it's minor. There is still trauma to the knee joint, meaning someone is going into the knee joint surgically, addressing some debris or a small tear in the meniscus, and then closing it back up. So it's going to be at least three weeks, probably four between now and when DK Metcalf gets back on the field, which is after week one. So expect him to miss a game or two. Not that you were really relying on him in redraft leagues, but for Dynasty, don't expect much early from DK Metcalf. Quick hitters here on Keenan Allen. The ankle injury is not a big concern. Um, the team is being cautious with him. He's going to be out for the rest of the preseason, but for week one, he's going to be fine. He gets the green light for me. Kenyon Drake dealing with the foot. This is a situation to monitor for sure. He was in a walking boot last week, has yet to return to practice. So this really opens the door for Kalen Balage, I think, to at least attempt to, to take the job from Kenyon Drake. I don't know that he does it, and my projections don't say he does it, but... There's been a lot of talk all offseason about how good Kalen Balazs has looked and that they're splitting time in the first-team offense. So certainly Kenyon Drake could miss a game or two and open that door for Balazs. And then lastly, with Amari Cooper, um, a foot issue that's being called a ligament issue. Regardless of what the diagnosis is, which is very vague at this point, he's not going to play in the preseason, and he's not going to be 100% with, with his foot for week one. We can say that with confidence. All righty. There are a few more uh, to hit on, but they all belong in the AFC South, so we will get to them as we get to them, which we will do right now. Uh, so we're going to start it off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, bottom of the division after a strong 2017 season. Really got hit by a lot of injuries. Uh, the offensive line got destroyed. The quarterback situation was already bad and then got messed up by injury as well. They have addressed both of those things. Nick Foles is now the quarterback. Uh, I know Betts is sad about that because that lowers the Super Bowl chances for the Eagles, obviously. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> uh, they did also add a couple pieces on the offensive line, including uh, through the draft. We'll see how that pans out for them. But let's start at the quarterback position as we typically like to do. 
Nick Foles. He is an enigma. It's hard to know what to do with him. One big factor could be offensive coordinator John Filippo, who they brought in uh, formerly with the Eagles and Nick Foles, in fact, on their Super Bowl run when Nick Foles won Super Bowl MVP. So there is some connection there. Do you have any interest in Nick Foles, even in a 2QB league or Superflex? So when I draft in Superflex leagues, I like to take three starting caliber quarterbacks because it gives you a chance to play a second one when your two starters are on bye. And mm. he is that QB3 for me. So he is not someone I'm targeting, but if he falls in my lap as my QB3, I'm fine with it. I think he has some QB1 weeks here and there, but you're not going to really be able to predict them. So if you're in a one QB league, he should not be on your radar as a draft target. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page there. In fact, I drafted Nick Foles in a startup dynasty that we were in together uh, two years ago because I knew he would hit free agency and go to a team and would be exactly what you were talking about, which is a fill-in guy that can you know start in bye weeks, maybe have a few good games as a streamer for you, and if you, someone goes down, he'll be a serviceable replacement. But this offense is, uh, despite the fact that I think it's going to be more pass-heavy than it's been the last couple of years, and that's mainly a result of bringing in Filippo, who passed like crazy in the last couple of years, um, they're still going to be a run-first team, relatively speaking. And I'm not interested in an okay quarterback with really bad overall weaponry on a run first team with a good defense. It's just not a great combination. Uh, so moving on from Nick, we've got some, we got one running back. Obviously, that's a big deal here. Leonard Fournette could be easily one of the best running back in the league. One of the, one of the best running backs in the league if he stayed on the field, but he struggled to do that. Behind him, you got Raquel Armstead, rookie draft pick, which could be interesting. And then Alfred Blue uh, and Thomas Rawls, who's amazingly still in the league. Shocking. What is your... How's that happening? I really don't know. What is your outlook on Fournette, especially from an injury standpoint? Because he feels like one of the more, I know you hate this term, but injury-prone players in the league. Uh, Are you concerned about that? Uh, And barring injury, what is your upside? projection for him yeah real quick let's just talk about the backfield as a whole because there are injuries elsewhere that we need to discuss for sure um alfred blue is dealing with an ankle sprain so he's not 100 percent right now and he is not currently participating in practice so he's a question mark as of right now as is rockwell armstead suffered a concussion earlier this preseason and is a question mark for week three of the preseason so those two guys are dealing with injury themselves now let's talk about the the big one here Leonard Fournette for me it really is all about injury risk with Fournette I don't project him to be able to play 16 games the ankle issue coming out of college doctors described as chronic and we've seen that right he's missed time he's on the injury report he's in he's out last season lingering hamstring issues these are two of the highest recurring rates from an injury perspective that we see so if you're telling me Leonard Fournette plays all 16 games, he's a top 10 back. But the injury risk associated with it says he's not going to be a top 10 back. I've got him ranked as my RB19 because of injury risk. I don't feel confident in his, his ability to stay healthy this season. And it's a catch-22 because he's the type of player that does well with more carries later in the game. He can kind of grind it out and really wear down a defense. But 
the ankle then sees more stress and more likely to be re-injured with more carries. So you're kind of stuck in no man's land. If he stays healthy, he's going to hit. But if we go off of his injury history, he probably won't. Yeah, so we, we, we do things a little differently, you and I, on the projection front. I project for a full season, basically, unless I know players are going to miss games. Um, or if it's someone that I feel so confident is going to get injured that I don't project a full 16 like a Jordan Reed or something like that. Or Tyler Eifert, actually, is a better example. But the point is, I project, for the most part, 16 games, and then I assign a risk rating to players that then docks them from their points before that hits my rankings. Fournette, my full 16 projection for Fournette is 291 carries, 1,100 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Plus 50 catches for 400 yards, which sounds like a lot to most people, especially when you think about Fournette. You don't see him as a pass catcher, but he's actually been solid on, uh, in that respect and has kind of varied between a 40 to 50 catch pace over his first couple seasons. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And if he plays the full 16, that's the kind of numbers I think he could post, which are definitely top 10 numbers, potentially better. Um from an injury standpoint, let me ask you this question. Are his injury concerns the kind where if you get battered throughout a game, they're likely to crop up? Or is that kind of irrelevant? No, that's definitely relevant. The ankle is something that will basically respond to increased stress, meaning carry number okay. 20 versus carry number one in a game matters mm -hmm. for Fournette. And that's really where my concern comes in. Um, yeah. that, that's the catch 22 that I was just talking about earlier. You know, if he gets the full workload, he's great. But if he gets the full workload, there's a really big risk of injury. And that's kind of why I hedge my bets and I place him at RB 19. All right. Not great. I don't like the outlook, but, uh, if he does get injured, they might have to turn to their pass catching core. And that would be somewhat bleak of a prospect oh, for the Jaguars because it's not pretty out there in, uh, Florida. D.D. Westbrook heads of the group for both of us, I believe. Yep. Um, let's just talk about him for a second before we move on to everyone else, because for me, at least especially, he is head and shoulders above the rest, and he actually falls for me all the way up at wide receiver 21, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, wide receiver 21, which Heath Cummings came on our pod a little while ago, and I think that he actually ranked him exactly there as well, or somewhere in that range. I think that's about right. That sounds right. very high. Yeah, but it's just it's the it's the target count. If these if this team passes at all, which they're going to have to do, I think he's going to soak up the vast majority of the targets. So I've met a, almost a twenty four percent target share. That's like clear wide receiver one status for a team. Uh, and with that target share, I have him getting almost a thousand yards and five touchdowns. Not especially great. He does have eighty four catches, so a little better in PPR. But that makes him wide receiver two for me. Where does he fall for you? Yeah, I'm a little bit lower on DD despite him being my wide receiver one in this offense. I have him right now as my wide receiver 33, so he's certainly a, a playable flex uh, starter in your lineup for sure. I'm just not quite sure the consistency is there with Nick Foles. I'm just not sure the volume is there given that the team also wants to kind of use Leonard Fournette in a workhorse role. So I, it's just a situation where for me he's a flex play, but I don't think he'll be much more than that this season. Yeah, we really haven't seen much out of him yet. Well, we've seen we've seen flashes. He had a great preseason, I think, in his rookie year, and he was actually pretty good last year when he did get the target. So 
we're not going off much, but I have decently high hopes for Didi. Unfortunately, I do not have any hopes for the group after Didi. So the, right now, the death chart looks something like Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole, Chris Conley, DJ Chark, and Terrell Pryor. Unless he got cut. Did he get cut? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't know. <laughs> the point is, it doesn't matter. That's how bad it is. So... This is a messy group. The The one guy who kind of stands out is Marquise Lee because a lot of people think he could be the number one on this team. Main problem with him is injury concerns. And then everyone after that is kind of a roll of the dice. So what stands out to you? Are you interested in any of these guys as flyers? No, I'm, I'm definitely off of this group. I'm not going to take anyone as a flyer. There's other guys that, on other teams at other positions that I would prefer and just to speak real quick to Marquis Lee remember he did have that ACL injury last preseason um, and unfortunately for him it was not a straightforward they call it a clean ACL tear right where it's just the ACL nothing else he had additional mm -hmm. damage which basically means his recovery timeline when you talk about performance on the field is going to get pushed back relative to someone else that had a straightforward ACL tear so don't expect much from Lee especially early this season I'm off of the rest of the receiving core, but there's a tight end that I'm kind of interested in. Ooh, I'll tell you what, Betts. I'm quite confident that both of us are interested in the same person because when waivers opened in the Dynasty League that we co-own, oh, we yes. got we went out and got this guy, and that is Jeff Swaim. Now, he spells his name with a G-E-O-F-F, -F, which is definitely a knock. Because what not the great. heck is that? <laughs> that is clearly Gioff, not Jeff. But we'll let it slide because we are a little bit interested in him uh, for fantasy, even though you may not have ever heard of him, formerly of the Cowboys, uh, now on the Jaguars. Why are you interested in him, Betts? Yeah, it's a sneaky play. Like I'm not. He's not a top 12 for me. He's not someone I'm targeting in drafts, but I think... Week to week, we're going to do a waiver show, and I think he's going to be on the list for, for players to pick up because he's going to splash this season. Nick Foles, let's remember, has targeted the heck out of Zach Ertz when he's played in Philadelphia. And I, I dug up a quote from back in April when the season kind of started with the offseason program, and he was talking about tight ends. That's This is Nick Foles, and he says, quote, it's really important. You have to be able to run the ball with a tight end in the game, but they also have to be able to ca to go out and catch the ball. It's very hard to find guys that are good at both, but a key to a great offense is you really do need a good tight end, end quote. So look out for Jeff Swain this year. Mm. Yeah, it's uh listen, this is a guy where if you have somewhat deep benches and you draft a Jordan Reed or a Tyler Eifert and you feel like there's a great chance you're going to end up needing a guy a backup guy, maybe you maybe you get Jeff Swain with your last pick and you head into the the uh, the season with an insurance plan. But mainly he's a guy to just keep an eye on as the season starts. Like Bet said, he could be a great waiver ad. All right, that wraps up the Jaguars. Not great overall. They really just are a defensive team. Maybe we'll see a breakout with DiFilippo, but we're not too positive on the Jaguars. So let's move on to another team that we don't care about at all and are not positive on. In fact, I think I like this team even less for fantasy. It's the Tennessee Titans. It's really sad, Bets, because the NFC South is possibly the best fantasy division in the entire league. We oh, talk about that yes. on the uh, on the next pod, which we already know what we're going to say because we recorded it, <laughs> uh, even though it hasn't released for you listeners. But 
this this division really struggles thanks to these bottom two teams, and the Titans are possibly the worst of the bunch. So, uh, I guess let's get into it. Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. It's so bad that we have to start with a potential quarterback controversy, or at least there have been some somewhat dubious reports about the fact that Tannehill could actually end up taking this job at some point. Do you have any fear that that actually happens? What does it do to you and your projections for this team? Do you have any faith in Mariota? What's your outlook overall? Yeah, I mean, the concern is real. Let's be honest. Marcus Mariota hasn't shown much so far in his time in the NFL. But let's let's also give him the benefit of the doubt of last season at least. The dude was destroyed with injuries. I mean, you name it, he had it. AC joint, broken ribs ulnar nerve contusion, a hamstring injury. I mean, he was not healthy. So yes. That was a lot of fancy words, uh, but mainly he could not feel his fingers is what I remember. <laughs> yes, if you remember, he played with that custom glove which covered his ring and pinky finger because Yeesh. that's the nerve that was involved. It, it supplies the sensory distribution, basically your ability to feel your ring and pinky finger is what that nerve does. Not good. So he played with a custom glove. Good news is, so far, playing without the gloves. So we can kind of assume that is probably resolved. But I don't know if it matters because in the few years before that, he still was very average in this league. And I think you have to be concerned about Ryan Tannehill at some point taking over. He's a serviceable starting quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. And it's a it's a year for, for Mariota where if he doesn't do it, he's out. And they might want to see what happens there with Ryan Tannehill. Let's remember, this team... Um, had a good season last year, despite Marcus Mariota's woes. Can you imagine what they could do with a real starting quarterback in the NFL? So those question marks are there for me. In my projections, I took two games from Marcus Mariota and gave them to Ryan Tannehill, which I think you did as well. So yep. yeah, the, the concern is real. Mariota and Nick Foles feel very similar to me in that they're my QB3 if I have them on a roster. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like Mariota has more upside both for the real NFL, uh, for the Titans, and for fantasy. But if he shows struggles and maybe they're like a little under 500, but they think they still have a chance for the playoffs, they could easily make that switch. And that wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing, honestly, uh, for the rest of this team. Where they've got a lot of slot-type pass catchers, and we've seen Ryan Tannehill have success with Jarvis Landry out of the slot. So I don't think it would matter too much necessarily from a fantasy perspective. So let's move on to the one place that really does matter on this team, and that's the running back position. Derrick Henry, obviously, leading this backfield, or at least we expect him to, after finally getting the bulk of the work in a decent chunk of games at the end of last season. Um, that said, it was still a small sample size of great production. So he's one of the uh, kind of the hotter debate players in fantasy industry right now where do you fall on derrick henry um do you have any interest in Deion lewis i guess while you're at it but mainly what's your outlook for henry yeah for more derrick henry content and analysis be sure to check out that podcast we did with kate majuk from the ball blast podcast she basically said this is this is it for derrick henry she's in for this season i'm not i <laughs> have been burned by derrick henry before and you know, in today's game in fantasy, like we play in a PPR or half PPR format, I would say almost all my leagues except for one. And Derrick Henry is a back that is more like 1999 type of player, right? Like 
pound the ball at the middle repeatedly, wear down a defense. He's very good at what he does, but the inconsistency is just too much for me to handle in my lineup. I want a guy with more stability, and so I have him projected for a solid RB2 season, but I just find it so difficult when he's on the on the board and I'm on the clock to actually hit the draft button for Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for the most part, I feel a little bit more optimistic, and we did talk about this on the, the pod with Kate, about Derrick Henry. I, I feel like the way they went last season at the end of the year, they recognized something that should carry over. However, there is still a lot of risk, and they very well might not recognize that. And so uh, my projections have him finishing up as a running back 18, but I have a high risk rating on him that drops him down to the RB21. So that's where he's falling in my ranks right now. Um, Behind Le'Veon Bell, ahead of Mark Ingram. So he's kind of at a point where he's the last of the guys with RB1 upside, I might say. Uh, or right, right in that range. He could certainly have an RB1 season. I think we could both see that. But the risk is high enough that I don't feel confident he'll have it, and it's a good, there's a good chance he ends up as more of a mid to low-range RB2. Um, but hey, go Derek, all right? <laughs> I'm rooting for you. Yeah, real quick before uh, we move on, can we touch on his calf injury? Yes. I mean, I don't want to touch his calf, but... <laughs> no, don't touch his calf. You say what you must. Do not touch his calf, Okada. Um, I would probably die instantly from, like, a thunder and lightning strike because he's <laughs> some kind of demigod. Dude, his calf is honestly probably the size of your head. <laughs> Facts. In terms of Derrick Henry's calf, let's be careful with him for week one availability. It's been a few weeks since we've seen him do a lot in practice, so I just want to caution listeners... Um, over the next two weeks, really be mindful. If you have a draft that comes around in early September, right before the season starts on September 5th, watch what he does over the next two weeks because those calf strains generally for a running back feel pretty good. They can walk pretty well. They can jog. You know, Day-to-day life is fine, but when they go to sprint, that's when we see those re-injuries happen. So if that does happen with Derrick Henry, just be mindful that could knock him out for quite a while um, and really set him back for the season start. So just a, a word of caution there. All right. Very fair. All right. Let's move on to the, the wide receiver core. Oh, gosh. I'm going to open with this question, Bets. Which receiving core is worse for fantasy, the Jaguars or the Titans? There's at least one guy that I want, <laughs> and that's D.D. Westbrook on a roster. The rest of this team... For the the Titans, no thank you. Yeah, so there you go. That pretty much tells you how bad it is. We just pooped on the Jaguars wide receiver core, and this one is worse. I would not... I could be swayed to say this is the worst wide receiver core in the entire NFL for fantasy. Part of it is because either every guy is unproven or has been bad in the NFL for the most part, but another part is we just really don't know what to expect as far as target breakdown. So I have Corey Davis leading the team in targets. It's what he did last year, actually by a very large margin. Uh, but he managed to do diddly squat with those targets. So that gives me very little confidence heading into this year. Also, they drafted A.J. Brown, uh, pretty dynamic rookie out of Ole Miss. Uh, we wished he would have gone somewhere better. He did not. He came to this awful, awful landing spot. So that's unfortunate. And then they signed Adam Humphreys in free agency uh, over the offseason, who had some flashes last year for the Buccaneers and has already flashed in preseason as well. But uh, do, uh, if you were forced to do something with this wide receiver core in fantasy, what are you doing, Betts? 
drafting Delaney Walker. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cop out. But I if I have to answer your question legitimately, for me, it's still Corey Davis. I have him leading the team, like you said, in targets from the wide receiver position. You know, at least with you know with Corey Davis, I think we're as a whole, as a community, being a little bit harsh with him because it's only his third year in the league and he's taken a step forward each of his you know two seasons. So I don't think it's out of the question that he takes another step forward. But when you look at fantasy relevant players, it's not going to be enough to really make that ascension into your lineup. So he's fine. Like he'll be a flex play every now and then, but I'm certainly not targeting him in my drafts. Yeah. Um, same here. It's, I don't even know. Let's see where he's falling in ADP, shall we, before we go crapping on him too much. Let's do it. Uh, Ninth round, wide receiver 41 in the range of Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald, Cortland Sutton, and D.D. Westbrook, actually. Nope. Jeez. D.D. Westbrook is one of the biggest values in drafts. You guys should go get him. Even if you don't think he's the wide receiver 21 like I do, he's 100% draftable well before that spot. But sorry, we moved on from the Jaguars. So, no. Uh, No, I'm not interested. I don't want him... I don't want really anybody. Uh, I will. I will say this about Adam Humphreys, which is sad that he gets to be mentioned in a prominent role. But that's how bad this team is. I pulled up the game log bets from preseason week one. Okay, now it's preseason, so don't you know? Don't get your underwear in a bunch, as they say. <laughs> but this is a. Uh, this is the breakdown of the team's first drive in the first preseason game with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Are you ready for this? Hit me. Pass to Adam Humphreys. Rush with Deion Lewis. Pass to Adam Humphreys. Pass to Adam Humphreys. Incomplete pass to not Adam Humphreys. (laughs) Pass to Adam Humphreys. Rush. Incomplete pass. Incomplete pass to Adam Humphreys. Incomplete pass to Adam Humphreys. That is a one drive. Six targets. Four catches. So apparently, Marcus Mariota likes him some Adam Humphreys. Now, I don't know what that means for fantasy. I think it's unlikely he gets anywhere close to that kind of target count over the course of the regular season. But he was good last year. Like, if you actually look at analytics or PFF numbers or grades, anything like that, he was actually very strong and, like, good at his job out of the slot. So if he gets the slot job here in this offense, which is tough because there's a couple other slot guys, and he gets six to seven to maybe even eight targets a game that makes him a pretty big value so in a ppr league i don't mind him as a deep deep flyer but uh i don't know if anyone has upside does anyone have upside in this core i don't think so and i just want to also make sure our listeners are well aware those i i personally feel those stats are a little misleading there was no Corey (laughs) davis week one of the preseason there was also no aj brown so and Odelaney Walker. So he was it. Yes, he was literally it. But at least they like each other. Apparently, yes, they're best uh, friends. But no, that is why you, that that would be like a three thousand target pace in the regular season. So don't expect <laughs> that. Uh, all right, let's move on from this awful place. We've we stayed here too long. I feel a little dirty. Uh, Delaney Walker. Uh, we got a little a little shining bright spot of hope. You wanted him above the entire receiving core. So do I. I just uh, checked through my projections. I have him leading the team in every single receiving category. Targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. He is leading the team in all of them. So I'm 100% bought in on Delaney Walker as kind of one of those later tight ends. If you don't want to absolutely punt, but you're not interested in going in early, 
Delaney Walker is your guy coming off an injury at an old age. That is a little concerning, but he's been absolutely Mr. Old Reliable for Mariota, especially if Mariota's in at quarterback. I expect Delaney Walker to get plenty of targets. Do you have a similar optimism? Where do you fall? We are in lockstep on this one, my friend. We both have him ranked Huzzah. as our tight end seven. He's currently going as the tight end 12 at the very back end of the 11th round. So if you're telling me I can get Delaney Walker mm. in the 12th round, that is a smash draft the butt, like smash the draft button. Because I will tell you, I went smash back. Smash the butt is what I just heard. Yes, by do the way. that. Do that. <laughs> I went back and watched the game film from preseason game week two, which just happened over the weekend. And Delaney Walker had his first game action since the injury. Looked good. Looked like the same old Delaney Walker. So, yeah, for me, the the confidence is there from an injury perspective. We just talked about the wide receiver core. There's question marks everywhere. Delaney Walker is literally old reliable for Marcus Mariota. So I'm in on Delaney Walker this season. Yeah, uh, for me, and I think probably for you because you said you ranked him at seven as well, he is the first tight end after the top six, that, that sort of second tier of three. You've got your elite three. You've got your next tier of three. And then for me, you've got Delaney Walker. So he's a great target in your drafts if you're willing to wait. Uh, All right, let's shake off the nastiness of these bottom two teams and move on to the excellent fantasy prospects of the next two teams, starting with the Indianapolis Colts, who finished second in the division despite an incredible end of the year because they started a horrific one in five. Uh, Part of that was due to Andrew Luck being slow, I think, to acclimate at the beginning of last year, finally coming off that shoulder problem. So now we have a great and and incredible season ahead of us with just full health Andrew Luck and all kinds of excitement, right, Betts? Oh my gosh, like you wouldn't believe. Uh, not yeah. a bit. We got to talk about it. Oh boy, Andrew Luck is a hot mess right now. It's the Colts organization is also a hot mess because they don't even know what's happening and we're getting all kinds of conflicting reports. It has something to do with his below the knee portion of his left leg, so not planting leg. But Betts, give us your rundown, I guess, on where things stand as of now and what you expect. Yeah. So I don't know, Okada, do you watch any ice hockey? You watch the NHL? Uh you know, here and there. I I enjoy it. Alright. Well, if you see injuries there. They call them either upper body or lower body injuries. That's all you get. So <laughs> wow. it's hard to analyze any of that. And this is very similar for Andrew Luck. Like you said, we know it's below the knee. We know it's not the foot. That's all we know. And the team is not really giving us many details, but we have to go all the way back to um, April for the date of the injury for the calf strain. And MRI confirmed that injury, but as the season you know, progressed towards the start of training camp, as the offseason went on, there was developments that now it's more ankle pain. Now it's like high ankle pain, but we don't know exactly what's going on. So it's hard to really talk about what to expect from Andrew Luck. But just regardless of anything that you hear, just understand this. I mean, an injury that lasts from April until August and even maybe Mm. beyond, like doing anything different for his rehab plan right now is not going to change what is going on with Andrew Luck. He's not going to be hundred percent because of what's going on for week one. So the risk is there in drafts. How long is he out? I don't really know, but I want to at least throw some positive spin on this because over the weekend, the Colts played their second preseason game 
and there's a video going around of Andrew Luck actually doing a workout pregame. I watched the video in full. He's doing a lot of lateral movements, which for the ankle is typically a movement that it does not like if you're coming off of injury. So that's the silver lining. I think he's close. I don't know that he's necessarily there week one, but you have to understand for the first month of the season, I think he's a pure pocket passing quarterback because of his inability to really move aggressively on the ankle. I think Andrew Luck's not drinking enough milk personally bets because <laughs> I don't know why he refuses to heal from these injuries. Uh, but yeah, it is it is rough. So for uh, where was he for you in your quarterback rankings before this happened? Or let's say if we knew there was no injury. If we knew there was no injury before this, he was QB2 for me. I dropped him yeah. down because of the risk. Um, right now, I've got him at my quarterback six. Okay, so for me, he went he went from three to six. So I expect that if this were to continue, he might drop even further. But just be aware, listeners, that if everything pans out and he is fully healthy for week one, which is very much up in the air, he would be that that would be his upside for us is around quarterback two or three. Very very good for fantasy which makes him still draftable despite the injury especially if his draft price continues to fall so just keep uh, keep a close eye on all this if uh, news comes out and you don't know what it means neither does anyone else but feel free to at matthew betts uh at the fantasy pt on twitter and ask him what the heck to do please do uh okay let's move on to the running backs uh, an interesting little crew here we've got marlon mack of course Uh, very excited to have him in this episode. Behind him, we've got Naheem Hines, who is dealing with a bit of an injury. I believe he took on a punt return hit in the preseason. And then we do not have Deontay Foreman as of right now. He has hit IR. Is that correct? That is correct. He suffered a torn biceps tendon right at the uh. front of the elbow. He's going to undergo surgery, and his season is over, unfortunately. It's... It's crazy how quickly things change for Dante Foreman. I mean, just three weeks ago, we were talking about him as a guy that was going to threaten Lamar Miller, and he won't play in 2019. Yeah, very frustrating because Betts and I did a lot of work to update our Colts rankings with Foreman instead of Spencer Ware, and now we have to go back. Uh, although Spencer Ware is also on PUP, so we don't really know what's going on. Uh, also, rookie or rookie last year, sophomore running back Jordan Wilkins is there. But for the most part, what this all sounds like it means is that Marlon Mack, who, as far as I know for now, is healthy bets. Yes, sir. Okay. he He's rising, potentially. Um, we both have him projected very healthily. I have him at 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground. Now, his receiving work is a little bit limited, and a lot of that has to do with Naeem Hines and also a certain wide receiver who we'll get to in a bit. But if Hines misses any time, that could also go up for Mac a little bit. Right now, his upside's limited enough that he falls into the wide receiver two range for me. Currently, a wide receiver eighteen. What is your outlook on Mac overall? Yeah, anyone that's listened to this podcast before knows my answer and your answer to that same question. We love this guy. I'm in on Marlon Mack this season. I have him right now as a very solid RB2. He's my RB16, but with this news, I mean, I could definitely give him a little bit more. If Naheem Hines would miss any time, certainly I'd give him a little bit of a bump in the passing game. The offensive line for me is the key. 
last mm. season the fourth ranked offensive line in run blocking according to football outsiders and when the team got in close he ranked sixth in rushing touchdowns from inside the 10 yard line so you love to see that the only guys that were in front of him in that category todd Gurley, chris carson good. zeke good james Ooh. connor and derrick henry oh my Ooh. so good offense they get inside close and they give him the ball yeah give me marlon mack this season yeah, there's honestly probably not a better offense plus offensive line combo in the league. He's right up there. I mean, maybe the Steelers could be in that conversation. The Eagles potentially could be in that conversation and the Colts. So that is really good for a running back. Uh, hopefully luck is healthy because that would help as well. But yeah, he's he's definitely a locked and loaded RB2 with potentially RB1 upside, especially if he's a bell cow. So Love him. Uh, by the way, I'm a. I don't mind Naheem Hines in a PPR league. Um, if he does get healthy, I believe he had sixty something catches last year. Do you know the number off the top of your head? I want to say sixty three, but don't quote me on that. I will tell you it is sixty three. So Ooh. well done, bets. You get a prize, and that prize is telling me if you want Naheem Hines at all in a PPR <laughs> league. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a value I think in PPR formats. Um, any guy that's gotten more than 60 receptions at the running back position is elite when it comes to the running back catching the ball. So yeah, in PPR leagues, he's certainly very draftable in, in all formats, you know, especially PPR. So I'll take him as an RB four on my PPR roster. Um, he'll be a flex play multiple times this season. Yeah. And I actually just pulled up fantasy football calculator to check his ADP. He's not going in the first 15 rounds, at least according to their ADP. So that could be, possibly the injury that affects that a little bit although i can't imagine that much he's probably going to be pretty much free in your drafts so if you got a ppr league uh, don't be afraid to stash him uh wide receiving core we got some interesting names here uh obviously ty hilton leads the pack if andrew luck is there he's incredible he's been very consistent he's going to get tons of yards um if andrew luck is not there it gets a little more concerning so the same amount of monitoring you're doing for Luck, you should be doing for Hilton. Does he have wide receiver one upside for you if Luck is there, Betts? Oh, easy. He is a wide receiver one for me if you're telling me Andrew Luck plays 16 games. Um, let's not forget, just a few years ago, he led the league in receiving yards. So it's certainly there for him. The question mark is just always touchdowns because he doesn't really find the end zone with enough consistency to be a top three option at the position. Yeah, I have him for almost 1,300 yards, but only six touchdowns. So that's almost Julio levels of what the heck, why aren't you scoring? Uh, which, you know, it's just not his game, so I don't hold it against him. It is, It should be Julio's game, so I do hold it against him. Sorry, Julio. We'll get to you in a little bit uh, on another podcast. Uh, behind T.Y. Hilton, you got, they brought in Devin Funches, paid him a large amount of money for one. Nope. <laughs> yes, Devin that uh, for one season and then drafted Paris Campbell. Rookie out of Ohio State. Very interesting receiver. Was used not in an NFL manner, let's say, uh, at Ohio State. He did a lot of sweeps and catching the ball on screens and at the line and then running like a maniac. So he's the guy that I mentioned a little earlier. Could potentially fill up some of Naheem's Hines. Naheem's Hines. Naheem Hines' pass catching work. Uh, also, Deion Kane. Uh, they also have Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal, by the way, and probably a couple other guys that don't even make our top six, which is how we project. But Deion Kane was a guy that some dynasty people liked last year, which was his rookie season. Then he missed the whole year. 
he's gotten a good amount of work in the preseason. So that's a little bit interesting. What is your kind of breakdown for Funches, Campbell, and Kane? If you care at all, at all about Kane. Yeah. I, I, Kane is a guy that I'm interested in, but he missed all last season with that ACL tear. There was a little bit of hype before they signed Devin Funches in free agency. But for me, he's kind of off fantasy football radars until something opens up in front of him for opportunity purposes. Devin Funches, I think, is going to provide some flex weeks for sure because he's going to catch touchdowns from Andrew Luck, which we love. Um, but outside of that, I'm not really too interested in any of the depth players behind T.Y. Hilton. Uh, yeah, I don't mind that outlook at all. Funches, Funches will get uh, his value sucked away by the tight ends. And Campbell will get his value sucked away by the fact that he's a rookie. And Naheem Hines, if he's healthy, will take some of the work he would have gotten. And I I think the other work he could have gotten might be taken by T.Y. Hilton. So it's kind of a mess for him. Um, I did pull up Deion Kane's preseason numbers from the last uh, from this, this week of preseason, which was uh, week two against the Browns. He had nine targets, seven catches, and 80 yards. Now, that wasn't with luck, obviously. And it is preseason. But that's a lot of targets, even for a preseason game. That's a good catch rate, and that's a good yards per reception. So, you know, just keep an eye out. It's more of a dynasty thing, honestly. You're probably not drafting him in redraft. But keep an eye out. Maybe he suddenly breaks out and you even do want him in redraft. And if he happens to be on your dynasty waiver wire, absolutely, I would consider him addable. Uh, Quickly on the tight ends. Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron. Mo Ali Cox, no interest. Sorry, Mo Ali Cox, despite your what a guy. excellent oh, size. Massive. Um, <laughs> this is a tough one, Betts, because last year we were graced with the uh, disappearance of Jack Doyle due to injury and therefore the incredible breakout of 13-touchdown Eric Ebron. Now Doyle is back. He should be healthy, unless I'm mistaken. You can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But assuming he is, how does this tight end uh, duo break down for you? Yeah, Doyle missed time with a hip injury um, and a, a kidney Was it a pointer? injury. But he should be fine for this season. You know, looking at the, the two tight ends, I think they're going to cancel each other out most weeks because in the five games they played together last season... Ebron outscored Doyle in three, and and Doyle outscored Ebron in two. So I see it as a situation where if one guy goes down to injury, the other is a top eight play at the position. But when they're both on the field, you're not going to know which one to play. So for fantasy purposes, I'm out on both of these guys. Yeah, Uh, they make a great pair because Doyle is more of that kind of route running, pass catching uh, maven. He's very good at that, or at least especially with Andrew Luck he is. But Eric Ebron is that red zone guy, so he gets the touchdowns and Doyle gets the catches, and neither of them combines them into something useful if both are on the field. Uh, Unless Ebron keeps up at his obscene touchdown rate, which we don't expect to happen. So I have Doyle with more receptions and yards, Ebron with more touchdowns, but neither of them crack my top 10 at the position. Uh, Ebron's 11 for me, Doyle is 16. Uh, And... Eric Ebron is going in the seventh round as the tight end nine, which no, is disgusting. Yeah, pass on that. So if you have to get one, maybe you look at Jack Doyle, who's pretty much going undrafted very, very late if he gets drafted. Certainly in a PPR league, I think he holds a little more value. But both of these guys, I think, are going to underperform uh, compared to expectation or what we could hope for if it was just one of them like it was last year. 
So, that seems like it on the Colts. A little more hope than we had with the first two teams. Now let's move on to our final team in the division, the Houston Texans, who I think offer potentially even more hope. Although, well, I guess it's kind of mixed because mainly it's just the receiver position. So, never mind. I take back what I said. <laughs> the Colts are the best. <laughs> but let's talk about the Texans. Starting at the top to Sean Watson. I don't know if you can ask for much more than what we can potentially expect from Deshaun Watson last year because he was incredible. I believe finished as a top three quarterback in most formats, uh, maybe top four, depending on the format, with the worst offensive line in the entire National Football League. Perhaps the Cardinals could have rivaled them, but they did allow the most sacks, 62 sacks. That is a lot of sacks. Watson was on his butt a lot, and he still managed to dominate for fantasy. So if he can stay upright a little bit more often, which is probable, I would say, because I don't think this offensive line could get worse. They did draft a couple pieces. Then things are looking very, very good for Deshaun. Uh, how high for you is Mr. Watson? Yeah, I'm in on Deshaun Watson this season. I've got him as my QB for the perfect balance of a good offense, an elite wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, a serviceable running back and the ability to add fantasy points on the ground with his legs. Yeah, I'm in on Deshaun Watson this season. Uh, quickly before we move on, because I'm curious, you said QB4 and you also said Luck's not in your top four. So I'm assuming Mahomes and Rodgers are top two. Who's your three? Uh, let me pull up my rankings right now off the top of my head. Oh, it is exciting. I Drum want roll, please. to say Carson Wentz. Oh, okay. I should have expected that. <laughs> yeah come on you know uh, that yeah all right no i don't hate it but i also don't hate the deshaun watson love um i have him for 28 touchdowns which actually kind of seems a little low that's potentially kept down by my fear of will fuller's health so let's skip the running back to go to the receiver position because it's a lot more interesting on this team and i just mentioned will fuller deandre hopkins obviously leads the charge kiki qt and will fuller make if healthy, one of the, if not the best trios outside the Rams uh, in the league. After that, it is such a wasteland that Betts and I don't even have names in the depth charts for our projections. We have Houston wide receiver four, five, and six, which is basically <laughs> what we do if we don't know what how shots the depth chart's fired out. at Houston's yeah. wide receiver core. Sorry, guys. But. The good news for those top three guys is that the complete lack of names behind them means that they all have high, high upside. So, D-Hop, let's just start with this. Where is he for you? Is he wide receiver one? Is he wide receiver two? He is my wide receiver two. Okay. That, no one can really argue with that. I think he's a consensus one or two. He actually is my three, but that's because Juju's my one and I'm insane, but also right. Uh, but there's almost no tier gap there. DeAndre Hopkins is great. So let's move on to the other two guys because that's where things are very, very interesting. Kiki QT, Will Fuller. One of them is, at last year, QT was an absolute target hog, honestly, when he was on the field. Uh, it was pretty crazy. In fact, I'll pull up the numbers while you talk about him. Will Fuller, kind of the opposite. More of a deep ball, big play guy. Had an incredible touchdown rate with Watson. Both of them have injury concerns, so I'd be interested in your take on those. Uh, but both of them have a lot of upside as well. So give me your outlook. Yeah, both guys have injury concerns entering the season. We have to talk about 
each of them, you know, and Will Fuller, I think it's a bad rap, but it's legitimate for QT as well. I mean, he missed several games last season because of recurring hamstring strains. My hope is he was able to get it right this offseason and really take training camp, you know, by storm and enter 100%. But he did suffer that high ankle sprain in the first preseason game. So we're not going to see QT for the rest of the preseason. And even if he's ready for week one, he's not going to be 100%. And then you also have to factor in while he's nursing this high ankle sprain, you know, his his conditioning work, his running, his sprinting, his route running, it's all affected. So he's not really going to be in football shape for at least a few weeks. So I would expect a slow start from QT, though I do like him, you know, come season's end, I think he's going to be very serviceable for fantasy. And then for Will Fuller coming off of the ACL injury and his long history of hamstring strains, it's recipe for disaster. Will Fuller is off my draft board because of injury and injury alone. Because when you look at his running stride and the way he plays the game, everyone knows it's Will Fuller beating someone deep down the field. And when these receivers reach their top end speed in the sprinting motion, the hamstring has to be able to slow the leg down to be able to really take efficient strides. So his hamstring is going to get stressed. He's got the ACL injury. We know performance takes at least a year to reach full potential. So yeah, I'm out on, on Will Fuller this season. All right, that that's a little rough to hear because Will Fuller is an absolute uh, huge upside player when he's on the field. So for fantasy, it would be, it would be nice if he was there. Um, for QT, so I just pulled up his game logs from last year just so we could take a quick look. In he was he was in not play for the first three weeks of the season. In week four, he had 15 targets, 11 catches, and 109 yards. And no, DeAndre Hopkins was not injured or missing from that game. So that is insane. Uh, and then he played five more games. One of them he got injured in. The two he started in, he got seven and nine targets, which is really solid. Uh, he had five and three in the other two. So this is a guy that we've seen get quite a lot of targets in this offense, even in the season when he was not healthy. He could certainly be a PPR stud if he could stay healthy. Both of these guys, like you mentioned, are big concerns in that respect. So you have to knock their draft price down. Um, I'm willing to go in on a Will Fuller. Uh, let's pull up his draft price price really quick so that we can see how worth it he is. Seventh round in the range of Robbie Anderson and Allen Robinson. Wow, that is funny. Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson. Say it three times uh, fast. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to try because I know I'll mess it up. But um, that's a little high, I guess. So I can see your fear and really having him on your draft board at all. There's guys going right after him like Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel, Dante Pettis, Marvin Jones. Almost all those guys pretty much have a little bit more safety with similar upsides. Um, but if you're a risk taker, if you started with a few wide receivers and you're then you got a couple running backs that you're okay with and so... Uh, you're okay with with Fuller being more of a depth guy that you don't have to start, but if he's playing, you can. That I, then I really like him as a pick, in, in maybe in that kind of scenario. But I wish that his ADP would reflect the risk a little bit more. QT in a PPR league, I'm okay getting late. Uh, but yeah, both of them definitely very risky. Uh, as for the tight end position, no thank you is uh, the name of the first player and the second two players don't exist. Uh, <laughs> seriously, this thing, this, there's nothing here. Not even a dart throw. Sorry, the names, if you want to know them, are Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas, and Kahali Waring, who's a rookie. But 
I see absolutely no value here. Bets, do you disagree at all? No, sir. All righty then. Glad we could discuss that tight end core in such detail. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That wraps up the AFC South uh, for the second time. Hey there, Red Shirts listeners. This is Matt Okada, the editor of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Oh, I just realized that we completely skipped Lamar Miller. Which is just so perfect because he's Lamar Miller. And that is exactly what would happen to Lamar Miller. He, no one cares, you know? He's just Lamar Miller. But it would be rude if we moved on without talking about him. So really quick, Betts and I both have him projected around 1,000 rushing yards, 4-6 to six rushing touchdowns, pretty middling receiving work, although Betts likes him a little bit more in that category. And he ends up projecting him a little higher overall. Both of us have him as an RB2, bets as the running back 25, and me as the running back 31 as of this recording. Uh, Duke Johnson, also a little bit interesting for both of us. Obviously, he'll catch some passes. Uh, we both have him for roughly 40 to 50 catches and 400-ish receiving yards, uh, and almost have him for the exact same actually projected number of fantasy points. Uh, from a draft standpoint... We have him ranked as our consensus RB36. So basically back-end RB3. That's in half PPR, so in full PPR he might jump up a little bit. But that's basically the running back core as we see it right now. So very sorry to Lamar Miller for completely ignoring him. Uh, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Thanks for listening. Um, Bess, do we have any uh, last-minute business to wrap up here? Uh, last bit of business, I would say, is... We've got a listener league going. We're playing for some hardware. And if you are a fantasy football commissioner and you are going to your draft empty-handed, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Get an awesome trophy, belt, or ring from trophysmack.com. And they've got their full draft kit up, too. You know, you can get a board. You've got the stickers, which is so fun on on a live draft type of situation. So head on over to trophysmack.com. See what they've got going on. For a limited time only, when you purchase a trophy or a belt, you get a free ring on top of it with the code redshirt. So that's what I would say is our last order of business. Do yourself a favor. Do your league mates a favor. Go get that trophy. Uh, I saw a tweet from Trophy Smack today, Bets. Um, it was a picture of one of their boxes on a front porch. Legitimately, their delivery boxes look better than most other websites' trophies. They're legit. So, they are legit. Yeah. You're going to want to get yourself one of these. Um, and the fact that you get a free championship ring if you buy one with our code is honestly insane. Probably the best promotion I've ever seen in all my years of podcasting, which is two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's uh, that's it for us. Go check out Trophy Smack. Check us out on Twitter at RetroSFFPod. Check out uh, bets at the Fantasy PT, like I mentioned, especially if you have luck questions. Uh, check out me at Matt Okada if you want to hear hot takes about Kyler Murray. Uh, there you go. Worked him in. Done. Nailed it. Uh, see you next time on the uh, AFC North. For now, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.